Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. That's in Romans chapter 13. Verse 11, the Bible says, And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, You Can Still Make a New Year's Resolution. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the first day of the week where we come to honor you. God, I pray that you'd be honored in this time. Lord, please anoint me to say what you'd have me to say. Touch our hearts. Change us for your glory is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. You can still make a New Year's resolution. Now, I'm not a big resolution guy, but I am a big change guy. I believe that it's always the right time to change, and we need to realize that, check this out, we're almost done with the first month in 2017. Some people haven't even, you know, caught up on their checkbook to writing 2017 yet. Some people haven't already engaged fully mentally into 2017, but we're almost done with the first month of 2017, and I want you to begin to change. If you haven't made a New Year's resolution, that's fine. I'm not a great, huge advocate of resolutions, but I do love the fact that we get an opportunity mentally to change every January. People talk about it's time to change the new year. It's a great time to turn over a new leaf. And I want to talk to you this morning about the change that God wants to see in us. The Bible teaches that we need to change. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, the Scripture says, And we all with unveiled face... Beholding the glory of the Lord are being changed into his likeness from one degree to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Look at this first phrase. And we all. Let's pretend we're in Bible study on a Sunday night or Wednesday night. If the verse says we, who is God usually talking to? Christians. Us. So if you call yourself a Christian, this verse applies for you. It says, and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being changed into his likeness. We all are being changed into his likeness. That's one of those things that make me say, hmm. That's one of those things that make me realize that the scripture's always right, but it's not always right in me. The scripture's always telling the truth, but it's not always the truth about me. The scripture's always telling the truth, but it's not always the truth about you. Because the scripture says that we are being changed into his likeness. How many of y'all know there are times in our Christian walk where we're not being changed to look more like God? 
That doesn't make the scripture of no value. That makes the life that we're living at that time of no value. Because if we're doing what God has called us to do, if we're being who God has commanded us to be, then we will be living out the scripture and we will be being changed into his likeness from one degree of glory to another. Here's the plan. God lets you be born, lets you have a life, brings you to the knowledge of the fact that all of us have sinned, and because sin has to be punished, we can either pay for it ourselves or choose to believe that Jesus paid for our sin on the cross, at which point we become a Christian. Now, once you become a Christian, that's not the end. That's the beginning of a new life in Christ where you are being changed from one degree of glory to another, going from here to here to here to here. This is the pattern, walking up that staircase of being to where God wants you to be. But too many times we as Christians just fall down and don't do it. Listen, I want to give you some courage today and some motivation to start being changed so you look more like Christ. That ought to be your goal. Every child should want to have something that looks like their parent. Every son wants to look like his dad. Well, if your dad's kind of weird, you might not, maybe not every son. Come on, y'all. Y'all are stiff as a hammer this morning. Would it help if I vomited? Would that loosen y'all up? Because I promise you, I'll keep going. We had a kid vomit on a stage play one year in Lake Asbury Junior High School. You remember that? And, and we kept going. Hey, mop it and keep rolling. Loosen up. It's going to be okay. I said I'm going to get you out early. Say change. You, God wants to change us from one level to another level to another level of his glory. I can tell you the same thing about 2017 that I believed about 2016. I believe that 2017 can be the greatest year of my life. I also believe 2017 can be the greatest year in the history of this church. But as I said it can be. It can be the greatest year in the history of your life. It can be, but it doesn't have to be. And if you keep on doing what you've been doing, it's not going to be. If you keep doing what you've always done, you're only going to have what you've always had. So if you want 2017 to be good for you, you're going to have to change. Everybody wants others to change to suit them. Everybody wants their spouse to change, their children to change, their finances to change, their, their, their state of mind to change, the weather to change, but they never want themselves to change. You got to take responsibility for you because I've lived this Christian life for a long time. And I guarantee you this, for the majority of times in almost every Christian I've ever met, the biggest enemy to their Christian success is the one looking at them in the mirror. Your biggest enemy to becoming blessed by the Lord is the person you see in the mirror. And that's where the change has to begin. So we change. We need to change. If I want to have the best year of my life, I need to change. If the church is going to have the best year of its life, the church needs to change. But the problem with change is people hate it. People hate it. God commands it. People hate it. God says we have to change, but people resist change. God wants us to embrace it, and so the devil wants us to run from it. Because anything God wants, the devil wants the opposite of. God's a creator. The devil's an imitator. What God means is so funny. I hear so many verses taken out of context so often. It just it wears me out. People do something, something bad happens, and the first thing some overly religious person says, well, uh, 
What, what the devil meant for evil, God used for good. That's not what the Scripture says. The Scripture says what you meant for evil, God used for good. And when, when, peop, when people are messing up your life, when things aren't going the way you want it to go, don't blame it on the devil because that just gives you an out. Well, the devil's got me messed up right now in my mind. That gives you an opportunity to stay there. Well, the devil's got me messed up in my marriage. That gives you an opportunity to stay there. You've got to take personal responsibility and say, I am responsible to be who God called me to be people want to resist change when god wants us to embrace it with i hear statements like this well pastor scott that's just that's just the way i am don't don't fall to that foolishness well that's just how i was raised don't fall to that foolishness well it's all how i've always been everything about becoming a christian is about change it's about moving from who you are to who god wants you to be separating the old you from the new you I love January. I've told y'all before, I believe that psychologically it gives us the best opportunity of any time in the year to change. Because as human beings raised in this country, we've all been taught this whole New Year's resolution. That when the New Year starts, you can anything is possible. Listen, anything was possible on December 3rd. Anything was possible on August 11th. Anything was, anything's going to be possible on February 5th. Listen, on February 1st, it's going to be possible for me to eat burger and steak again, and I'm going to be appreciating that. Probably why I'm weak right now. I'm a meat and potatoes man, and I'm stuck out of meat. But different message. You've got to make it in your mind that you are ready to turn over this new leaf, embrace this new season, take advantage of the mental programming that's been in your mind all of your life as you watch that New Year's come in, that it's a time to change. Let me talk about some obstacles, though, that'll slow you down. First, obstacle we all face when it comes to change is our mind. Say mind. Don't answer this out loud because I, I don't want you to embarrass yourself, and I don't want anybody to miss the point. Do you believe that you need to change? This is a question that you need to answer fully. Do you really believe that you need to change? Because the heart, I've told you this before, the heart can't embrace what the mind rejects. You, you can want something in your heart, but if your mind tells you no, it's going to be really hard for your heart to embrace what the mind rejects. You might know in your heart that you need to change, but if your mind keeps telling you, I'm good, I'm all right, it's all the rest of them then you're not going to embrace the change that God has for you. So you need to believe that you need to change. That shouldn't be that hard. If you take honest evaluation of your life, realizing you need to change shouldn't be that hard. Making it up in your mind to say, yeah, there's some things or a lot of things, uh, a whole lot of things that need to change in me. Can you agree with that this morning? Listen, if you don't know what needs to change in you, Ask your spouse. You think they know? You better believe they know. If you don't believe that you need to change, ask your pastor. He knows. If you don't believe you need to change, ask somebody that cares about you. The problem for many people is they hang around a lower subset of individual than they really want to be themselves. You can't soar like an eagle if you're hanging out with turkeys all day long. You cannot be all that God wants you to be playing with ignorant people all the time because you got to aspire to something. And if you're the smartest person in your social group, you need a new social group. 
If you're the godliest person in your sphere of influence, you need to expand your sphere of influence because there is a lot of change that needs to take place. First thing, we got to make up our mind that we need to change. The second obstacle we face when it comes to change is our level of desire to change. How much do you want it? Even if you can get past saying, I don't need to change, it's them. If you can get past that and say, no, it really is me, then, then when you get to that place, you got to ask, how much desire do I have? You might say, I need to change, but how much change is it? Now, this is where pride rears its ugly head and really says, I'm not that bad. Because I'm not as bad as so-and-so. I don't kill anybody. I'm so tired of people telling me they don't kill anybody. That's one of the number one answers I've gotten in the last 35 years when I ask people if they're saved. And they say no, and then I start talking to them about them being a sinner because the Bible says all of sin comes short of the glory of God. Almost immediately it triggers something in, in their back part of their head that says, well, I never killed anybody. I just said you were a sinner, not a murderer. I mean, I, I don't know where that, where that chimes in, but we've got to realize that we not only need to change, but we need to change a lot. You need to get past believing that it's everybody else that needs to change, realize it's you, and then if you're going to change, change big. If you're going to change, change big for the better. See, many counselors teach a strategy for change called baby steps, and they just want to inch you along, and they just want you to get better after about 19 years of going there every Tuesday at $195 a pop with insurance, $395 without insurance, and they, they want to ease you along, never really desiring real change, because real change doesn't really come through baby steps. Every now and then, you got to take a leap forward. Every now and then, you got to decide, I, I, I'm, I'm going to make some big change. See, baby steps help a little bit, but massive action is what's needed because massive action produces momentum and momentum can bring about big change in your life. You say, well, Pastor, I'm not ready. I, I like the baby step mentality. Okay, there's some value there, but let me ask you this. If you're in a boat, you're out in the middle of the lake, you're in a boat, little rowboat, little John boat, and it's taking on water fast. And you've got a thimble, a coffee cup, and a five-gallon bucket. Which one of those are you going to use to bail out that water in your boat? Well, I just want to take baby steps in bailing out my water with this thimble. You're going to sink. That's the problem with baby steps. Life is running faster at us than most people are willing to bail out the other way. Life is coming faster at us than most people are willing to make correction to overcome their deficiency. So I want to encourage you today, take massive action in anything. You take massive action. Your kid's still back talking to you? Take max, massive action. Beat them harder than you ever beat them before. Your kid won't make good grades? You take away their cell phone for longer than you ever took it away before. Whatever your level, whatever your level of punishment is, all the kids are like, that's why I hate him. <laughs> I'm telling you, some parents don't see the desired change in their children that they want to. And the reason why is because they won't take massive action. Whenever I get aggravated, whenever I get irritated at my sons, I, and, and I tell them about it, I almost always come to the same conclusion. It's not y'all's fault. Who's, whose fault is it? 
It's my, yeah, that's what I tell y'all. Listen, it's got to be my fault. And I say, it's not y'all's fault. It's not y'all's fault that y'all are crazy and ignorant. It's not y'all's fault that you ain't living right. It's not y'all's fault that this room is still dirty. It is not y'all's fault that you are not ready to leave on time. It's my fault because I didn't beat you enough. Hey, I just had to take accountability. What what I look like accepting bad grades out of my children? What I look like accepting my children not to do what I tell them to do? What I look like? I look like a bad parent and somebody who's not following the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Take massive action in your parenting. Take massive action in your spirituality, your, your finances, your relationships, and getting your mind together. Take massive action. I've told you all so many times. Everybody I know, every Christian that ever lived other than Jesus backslid at some point. If you were ever more close to God than you are right now, you've backslidden. Everybody backslides, but everybody don't front slide. And today needs to be a day of front sliding. Today needs to be a day of not just inching baby steps closer to being the man, the woman, the young person that God wants you to be. You need to take a full step. We need to take a full step in the direction of being who God wants us to be. That's what change is really all about. Let's look at our text and see what we can find out about change. In Romans 13, 11, the Bible says, And that knowing the time, that it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we believe. First thing I want you to see about this change that God wants to take place in our life, it's time to wake up. It is time to wake up, sir. Ma'am, young person, it's time to wake up and get your act together. You can't get this type of encouragement everywhere. You, you, can't, you can't hear this on Sunday morning. What you hear is, God's so proud of you. And he loves you. And he, he, he loves you. But I ain't sure about the proud of you part. Because we, we've got to do what the Father tells us to do. It's time to wake up. See, waking up is about change. And the sad reality for most Christians, we've been asleep at the wheel of our own spirituality for way too long. See, because you may stop advancing in Christ, but the world doesn't stop spinning. You may take a break from serving God, but the world keeps moving on. So if the world keeps moving on and you're standing still, you're getting left behind. If the world keeps moving on and you are standing still or moving backwards, you're getting further away from the person that God created you to be. We need to understand it's time to wake up. Why? Why is it time to wake up? The verse says it's time to wake up because now our salvation is nearer than when we believe. That's one of the greatest phrases in the whole Bible to deal with Christ haters. Because Christ haters always want to point out, oh, they've been talking about God coming back forever. And it hasn't happened yet. Why would you believe it's ever going to happen because it hasn't happened yet? Well, I ain't went down and thrown this water in your face yet, but don't mean it wouldn't happen. It could happen, but probably not. Take a special situation, but one thing we know for sure, Jesus is coming back because he said he would. When, does, when will that happen? I don't know, but I do know the scripture is right, and it says my salvation is nearer to me now than when I first believed. I first believed on July 15, 1981, 35 years ago, that 
God was going to come back and take us into heaven. Well, that didn't happen 35 years ago or 34 years ago or 33 years ago. What if I ran all the way backwards up to right now? Or 32 years ago, I'm not going to waste my breath. Listen, the fact that it doesn't happen doesn't mean it won't happen. The fact that it hasn't happened yet proves that we're closer now than we've ever been. The Apostle Paul said 2,000 years ago we were living in the last times. If you don't realize we're living in the last times and the end is near, you're just not paying attention. We've been in that phrase for a long, long time. And the scripture says that it's now high time to awake out of our sleep. If you're ever going to serve the Lord, now is the time. So many people have good intentions. So many people have good intentions. So many people are going to serve the Lord. I thank God for the people that serve in ministry here that, that make this the type of church that honors God. Yesterday, we had our record day ever in food and clothing, which was cool because we had the most amount of food we ever had to give away. And we had uh, so many people show up. We gave away food to feed 172 people yesterday in, in one day. 172 people. Biggest day in food and clothing history. We gave away over 100 pieces of clothing yesterday. So, so when anybody asks you, does your church believe in helping people, you, you better know helping people is at the forefront of our life. You should never be hungry, and you should never not have clothes to wear, especially to not have clothes. I'd rather see you hungry than naked, but that's a different story for a different time. You, it, please. Don't just let people drive from all over North Florida to come. Uh, did we give away all the chicken? We had 60 whole chickens. 60? Nobody knows? Oh, 110 whole chickens to give away. If you, listen, if you can buy your own chicken, buy your own chicken or give somebody money to bless somebody with. But if you know my budget's a little tight and my kids are getting thin and clothes are falling off them because I'm not feeding them enough, you don't need to let this just be for strangers. You, you are welcome to use this food and clothing ministry for your family every Saturday. Do you get that? Good clothes. Good, we're, we're, we're doing lots of stuff. Why? Because we're trying to serve God now because we know that the end is near. If you're ever going to do anything, you better do it now. If you ever were going to get involved in a ministry, get involved now. If you ever were going to serve God at any capacity, start serving him now. If you're ever going to save money for your future, start saving now. You want to see your mind get blown? Go into a retirement calculator, and they, they want to know your age that you are now and the age you're going to retire. Let's pretend everybody's going to retire at 70, which hopefully we retire before then or after then or wherever God has for you. But if you were going to retire at 70, you should plug in how much money you'll have at 70 if an 18-year-old saves $2,000 a month till they're 70 versus if a 50-year-old saves $2,000 a month till they're 70. Which one, let me see if y'all are awake. Which one's going to have more, the 18-year-old or the 50-year-old? It's drastically huge. It's millions of dollars in difference for $2,000 a year. If you ever see people say, well, when I get older, I start worrying about my retirement. Hey, newsflash, you're already older. And if you're not doing anything toward it, you're going to be one of those 98.5%, almost 99% of people in this country reach the age 70 
broke and needing government assistance. 98 plus reached the age 70, not able to maintain their own standard of living. And it doesn't matter if you make $5 a year or $500,000 a year. If you spend more than you make, it's never going to stick. If you're ever going to do anything, do it now. If you're ever going to get in shape, do it now. If you're ever going to be a praying person, do it now. If you're ever going to read the Bible, do it now. If some of y'all never even read the whole Bible, do it now. It takes very little bit of time to read the whole Bible through in one year. And you don't have to read it through in one year. you got the rest of your life. But if you're going to do something, don't let the devil coax you into procrastination. Look at verse 12. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Second thing we need to do is twofold. We need to cast off darkness and put on the armor of light. Cast off and put on. This theme is redundant throughout the Bible. This theme is consistent throughout the Bible. Put away that and take on this. Cast away that and put on this. Put this behind you and set this in front of you. The life of the Christian is casting off darkness and putting on the armor of light. Now, here, you say, well, how do I cast off darkness? How can I grab it? Listen, obviously, this is a metaphor. Obviously, this is talking in figurative, not literal language. Darkness is representing things that oppose God. Light is representing things that are for God. It doesn't take a genius to figure out what you need to cast off in life. If you would be honest about your own life, just look at what you did this last week. Look at what you did this last month and, and be honest and figure out what do you need to put away and what do you need to take on. You really need to get this figured out because life's going to throw curveballs at you all the time. To keep missing the same pitch over and over and over again just makes you not even trying. But you got to get rid of what you can get rid of. There's some things that should be easy to get rid of. Personally, I don't understand how so many people end up doing the same thing so many times for so long. Especially outward things. Especially things of the flesh. Those things are easy to get rid of if you ever just decide, I'm going to get rid of it. Whatever you're struggling with, uh, physically, addiction-wise, I know... A, hundred people that have beat whatever you think you can't beat, it's beatable. The harder things are the ones stuck in your mind, way in the back of your head, that keep telling you bad messages. Get rid of something. Cast off something. Make a decision that says, I am going to change, and I am going to stop doing some things. Here's the deal, though. It's like I told people for the fast, you need to figure out what you want to see happen, and you need to tell somebody about it. Because the Bible says we're snared by the words of our mouth. When you tell somebody that you're going to do something, psychologically you've locked yourself into that. And spiritually you've locked yourself into it because the scripture says it's better not to vow a vow than to vow a vow and break it. And that's why I told uh, some of the praying people this past week while fasting that I have made a commitment in my personal life to be less political than I've ever been before. Because here's the reality. Nobody ever changed their mind about politics because you argued your point to them. 
People are going to believe what they're going to believe. You can't beat people into the truth. So I've decided that because of the divisiveness that politics brings, I'm going to step back 500 steps from where I've been politically. Because I tell people, it's not that there's no politician is our real leader. God is our real leader. Don't, don't be so distraught over what's happening right now. God is still on the throne. And don't be so overjoyed and rubbing it in people's face. Because guess what? You guys can be out too. You guys going to be out too. It's just cyclical. So let's concentrate more on God than on politicians. Can we agree with that? Let's concentrate on loving each other more than we divide each other. This is the word of the Lord. We've got to get our lives together and we've got to cast away some things. We've got to figure out what, what are the potholes I keep hitting that's messing up my front end alignment. What are, spiritually, what are, what are the potholes that keep bumping me off the road to being who God wants me to be? When you see those, you need to admit, well, I need to change that. And once you admit you need to change that, you need to decide, well, how, how much do I really desire to change that? Because if you don't desperately desire it, you will slip back into it. But this whole casting off and putting on should be the daily routine of every Christian. It should be your daily, put off the old man, put on the new man. Put off your depression and put on a garment of praise. Put off whatever is against God and put on whatever is for God. Listen to verse 13. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. That's so wordy, chambering and wantonness. You got to really be old to know what either one of those things are. I'm talking about like 500 years old. This was written in 1611. You got to be really old. Let me, let me give you this verse in a newer translation. We should be decent and true in everything we do. In how much of what we do? In everything we do should be decent and true so that everyone can approve of our behavior. You see, God knew that in, in the 21st century, and in the 20th and the 19th and everything going all the way back, that people would have one major reason why they don't want to come to his church. Why? Hypocrites. They, people will tell you, I don't, want, I don't go to church. There are too many hypocrites in the church. Tell them what I say. There's hypocrites in your house, but you go home at night. There's hypocrites in the grocery store, but you go there. God knew that lost people were going to use this hypocrite excuse. That's why he said, we've got to be decent and true in everything we do so people can approve of our behavior. You represent Christ. I represent Christ, not because I'm a pastor, but because I'm a Christian. You represent Christ if you call yourself a Christian. And people are judging your God based on what they see in you. And that's why God says that people need to approve of your behavior. The greatest compliment that you can ever get from a lost person about your behavior and your lifestyle is to hear them tell you or someone else, well, I don't agree with his religion. But I know he sure believes it because he lives it hard. That ought to be the story for every Christian to every non-Christian. Where it goes on to say, don't participate in wild parties and getting drunk, a.k.a. chambering and wantonness. Don't participate in, see, if I said, you've been chambering lately? You've been doing a little wantonness lately? Wantonness. Don't participate in wild parties and getting drunk. That ought to just leave out half your friends right there. 
go over to a friend's house. First thing y'all do, pop the top on, on some liquor, on some wine, on some beer. You need to realize, hey, I'm not about getting drunk. I'm about God. Try that on them next time. I hear people tell me, well, Pastor, if I really sell out to God, I'll lose all my friends. Well, why do you want them as your friends anyway? Well, so when you want to get high because they always have good weed? Listen, that's not the life of the believer. So when, when, why, do, why do you have all that liquor in your medicine cabinet? Well, it won't fit in a medicine cabinet nowadays. Why you, got all that, why you got all that beer in your lettuce crisper? I already told you all, that ain't for vegetables. That's to hide the beer from the preacher if he opened your refrigerator. <laughs> lettuce crisper with, with paper towels laid across the top of it so you can't see top or side through it. Listen, have you been involving your life in partying and getting drunk or adultery or any immoral living or in fighting or jealousy see these these are the things that they were dealing with in the first century this this was their list of problems they 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 had all this going on i told you the first thing you got to do is realize it's time to wake up the second thing you do is cast off and put on the third thing you got to do is refuse to do certain things you need to refuse to do certain things. If you put stuff off your table completely, it is no longer a temptation to you. I just don't do it. I don't mess with that. Do you want to go so-and-so? I don't do that. You want to do such-and-such? I don't do that. Refuse to do certain things. I, I wish somebody would take inventory of their life today. I wish somebody would take inventory of their life and say, that's it for me. I'm done with that. Now it's time. God's coming back soon. I still got stuff I want to see God do in my life. I want to see my family get saved. I want to glorify God with my life. I got to make now is the right time. This is the only time I have. Too many people think that you're going to get a do-over. Listen, I didn't get to do uh, my 30s over or my 40s, and I'm not going to get to do my 50s over. We don't have a do-over. You have to get with it now. So the question is, don't answer out loud. Because somebody might yell crack or, or, or crystal meth. But what do you need to refuse to do? What do you need to in your life? What is it? Put, put, put that verse back on the screen for me in the New Living, the one you just had up there. Maybe, maybe you need to stop participating in parties. Well, well, the parties I go to ain't wild. By whose determination? Wild is a relative term. What wild is to you might not be wild to me, but I can promise you anything that's off the edge is wild to God because God is so far to the holy side that any type of party is a wild party in God's mind. Don't get drunk. See, people ask, Pastor, you believe that, that a Christian can drink? Oh, I believe a Christian. Uh, do I believe a Christian can drink go to heaven? I believe Christians can do anything go to heaven. Safe folk go to heaven, lost folk go to hell. Drinking? Won't, won't make you go to hell. Uh, I like what one preacher said. Smoking won't make you go to hell. It'll just make you smell like you've been there. <laughs> but it shouldn't always be about, can I do this and still go to heaven? It ought to be about, should I do this or should I refuse to do this? Is doing this the best use of my life or is this a sidetrack? Is this an old way thing? I'm trying to press into the newness of 2017. You're going to press into the newness of 2017. You're going to have to stop doing some stuff. You're going to have to refuse to do certain things. Adultery. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, Pastor, you believe it's bad to commit adultery? Come on, y'all. He's on the Big Ten list. He's on God's top ten commandment list. People messing around. I hear people say stuff like, well, uh, he's leaving her, so he's basically mine anyhow. Tell that to his wife. Be behind bulletproof glass when you tell her that, though. Don't do adultery. Don't do immoral living. Don't fight. Don't have jealousy. See, immoral living is the catch-all. Because you, you can say, I don't go to wild parties. I don't get drunk. I ain't sleeping with nobody else. Uh, I ain't fighting nobody, and I ain't jealous of anything. Well, any immoral living gets caught up in all the rest of it. And you need to find out what it is that you need to let go of. And just do, do away with it. Eradicate it from your life. Don't leave a backup. Pastor, I quit smoking last week. I'm looking in your purse. There's a pack of cigarettes hanging out of it. And you know me, I'm going to say something. Uh, oh, I didn't know you quit smoking. There's cigarettes in your purse. Oh, well, that's, that's my backup case. That's, that, that's, that, that's just if I get stressed out. Listen, throw it all away. Get rid of it all. Get done with it. Look at verse 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. It says put on the Lord Jesus Christ. What if you could slip God on like a bathrobe? And just take it off the hanger and just wrap up in it. Like, I put on God. That's exactly what you have to do. You got to put God on like a bathrobe. You got to put God on like a suit and tie. You got to put God on like a dress with a zipper in the back. You got to put God on. You got to make effort to say, today, I am going to walk in Christ. Today, I'm going to put God on. The fourth point for this message, you got to start every day with Jesus. If you get to work and realize that you have not spent time with God yet, you have not prayed, then you're in trouble. I used to go to a pastor's class for mentoring, and the pastor would open in prayer, a bunch of other pastors there, and many times he would pray, Dear God, forgive every preacher in the room who this is the first time they're bowing their head and praying because they have not yet prayed today. And I always thought, he's talking about himself. <laughs> he, he's, he's realizing he's the first time he's praying, so he's saying that about us. But listen, you shouldn't get to work and realize you haven't taken time to pray yet. You shouldn't get to your cup of coffee, to your milk, to your cereal, whatever it is you do for your routine without waking up and recognizing God in your life. Please do this. If you don't do anything else, if none of this makes sense to you at all, if you are a Christian, please do this. Recognize God before you get out of bed. Recognize God. Start your day every day with Jesus. Say hello to Jesus. Thank God for giving you another day. Philippians 2.5 says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. God wants to put his thoughts in your head. But you have to acknowledge him in all your ways for him to direct your path. Too many people get through their whole day and realize, I didn't even read the Bible today. I didn't even pray today. Don't be like that. Start your day with God and things will go better. Last thing, number five, make no provision for the flesh. Say none. Make no provision for the flesh. Don't, don't have your backup stash. Don't have your just-in-case plan. Don't have a plan B. Have one plan, and that is to go all out for God with everything that you have. Because we saw 
this past week that the only type of acceptable worship for God is all out. Not in and out, not halfway, not 90% way, not 99% of the way, but all out. You probably heard, if you've ever been to a good motivational speaker class or leadership class, you probably heard the story about Cortez. In 1519, he took 600 Spaniards with, with a hope to do something that every other group of people that ever tried to do had failed. He took 600 Spaniards to Mexico to overthrow the mighty Mexican military. At that time, they were 400 and zero. They had been encroached upon, encroached upon, and beat back everyone because they had bigger numbers than what could get to them by ship. And so Cortez shows up with 600 Spaniards, and he's outnumbered 100 to 1. He's outnumbered every which way but loose. And so he made a decision that we have to win, and so Cortez is credited for the phrase actually that Alexander the Great said over a 1,000 years before Cortez said, Burn up the boats. Great minds, when they set their mind to a task, they burn up the boats. Now, why burn up the boats? Well, that gave them one or two options. We're either going to die on this place at the hand of the Mexican militia, or we are going to win and colonize this place. We're either going to get it done or die trying, because retreat was not an option. Alexander the Great did the same thing when the Greeks invaded Persia. Highly outnumbered. Looked like they were going to lose. But he told his soldiers, burn up the boats. We don't have a backup plan. Our only plan is to win. You need to get it in your mind that you're burning up the boats. Throw away those phone numbers of all those people you keep talking to that don't mean you any good. Throw away all those phone numbers for those people that are messing up what God is trying to set up in your life. Just let go of what it is because, well, you know, if I ever need them in a pinch. No, you, you got God in a pinch. And you got God in a poke and a plus and every other kind of way. We are notorious as modern-day Christians for saving back something on a just-in-case. Well, I, that, that's there in case this doesn't work out. That's there in case I, listen, no plan B. Burn up the boats. No retreat. No surrender. You got to advance your case for Christ and you've got to move forward. So here's my question to you in closing. Do you want to change? Do you? Or are you convinced that everybody else needs change more than you? It's hilarious to me. And I've had many people tell me this. And, and, and people that don't know me well get me wrong. Because a lot of people that know me on the surface and have seen me stand for truth in the midst of opposition, walk away saying, boy, Pastor Scott sure likes to argue. And I do not like to argue. My sister's on the fourth row. She can tell you we grew up in a home with massive fighting. I don't like to argue. It tears me up on the inside. I'm just not a coward. I don't like to argue. I, I, don't, I don't like what that does. But I'm not going to back down from telling the truth just because somebody keeps bucking the truth to me and pushing up their lie on me. It's not that I want to argue with them. I just want the truth to be told. I want them to know the truth. And I've had so many people tell me, well, Pastor Scott, that's just the problem. That's why, that's the thing, that's why I can't argue with you. Well, oh, good. But you're arguing now. I can't argue with you because you always think you're right. 
let me hip you to this real clear truth. If two people are arguing, they both think they're right. Well, he just—he thinks he's right. That's why, that's why he's arguing. Well, you're arguing too, and you think you're right. We got to get to the place in our life where we believe that it's not which person is right, but which person is following the right God. Do you desire to change? You're going to keep blaming it. Well, they started it. I lived the bulk of my life believing in the they started it principle. And my sister can tell you, my sister had had been in bars with me where I went across the bar to fight six men at one time. They started. They threw that, you remember they threw that napkin? You remember they threw that, and I told her, these rednecks throwing napkins and spitballs at the bartender. We're sitting in a horseshoe. We're on this, we're on this end. They're on that end. They, they're trying to flirt with this, you know, wasn't even flirtable with this chick, but they're trying to flirt with this unflirtable chick. And some of their wadded paper kept coming over into my area space of safety and quiet and serenity. I told my sister, I swear they throw one more piece, if one more piece of paper lands on this side of the bar, I'm going to go over there and just start knocking folk out. Another piece of paper landed. I didn't even say anything. I, I just stood up and walked over there and grabbed the first one I came to. Listen, I lived by they started it, so I'll finish it mindset for a really long time in my life. And there are a lot of people in here right now, you feel justified in your folly because they started it. They didn't start it. I look back on that night in that bar. They didn't start a fight with me. They got one. They didn't start a fight with me. I started to fight when I put my hands on that man. I could have let it go. It wasn't a fight until both of us were engaged in it. If, if I walk up to you and slap you in your face right now, we're not fighting. Because God would have you to look at me and say, I forgive you, but that's stupid. You're not fighting because someone else started it. It's not the first blow that starts a fight. It's the retaliation that starts a fight. You can let stupid be stupid. You can let ignorant be ignorant. You don't have to fight with people because they started it. You can leave them in their foolishness and just say, now, you know, if you're still working some pride out in you like we all are, if you're still working some pride out in you, just let them know. Dude, if I wasn't saved right now, I would already be kicking your butt. If I wasn't saved right now, I'd be stomping a mud hole in you. If I wasn't saved right now, I would already snatch your larynx out of your throat. But I'm saved, so I don't do that anymore. If you got to play it out like that, just have peace in your mind. Don't engage with people who are trying to take you in the wrong direction. Don't live in this. They started it. It's their fault. You take responsibility for your actions. Leave their actions up to the Lord. God wants us to change. And God wants to give us the power to change. But you got to let him. You have to let God have the power to change you by yielding to his way in your life. Well, pastor, one day I'm going to stop this and get better. Probably not. One day never comes. One day doesn't come. Today comes. Tomorrow's not always going to come. Yesterday's already gone. All we have is today. Stop doing some stuff. Wake up. 
Live for God now. Cast off bad stuff, put on new stuff. Refuse. Just, just don't even let it be a temptation anymore. Eradicate it from your life. So that's not me. And it's not pleasing my father. So I'm just going to do away with it. I told you all the story before. I have thrown away and or burned all of my secular music collection three times. First time it was the biggest. And this pastor that Dean and I had at this time showed an obscure passage out of the book of Acts how they took all of their secular books and all of their secular philosophy and they went outside the city limits and they burned it. So this dude held a bonfire out, out in, uh, somewhere out in McClenny or Maxville or Yulee, some distant outlier, and told us to bring everything. I mean, people brought porno books, videos, secular music. I brought my whole secular music collection, burn it off. So now all I had to listen to was Christian music. But you know, every now and then, you backslide. And I backslide, and I realize I don't have one drop of any kind of music other than gospel to listen to, which is what I prefer to listen to because if I'm going to listen to music, I want to listen to music that causes me to think about God. And so I'm sitting there lamenting in my backsliding one night, 3 o'clock in the morning. And at 3 o'clock in the morning, the best thing that's on is infomercials because them folk believe in their product. They believe. And there it was. They have five record set of Motown greatest hits. Smokey, Stevie, Temptations, Diana, everything was, and they, the whole hour they were just giving clips. Out. Do you remember this oldie but goodie? I, well, they saw, they, man, they, they, they showed uh, Tears of a Clown. I picked up the phone. Let me order this thing now. I ordered that thing. Yes, I did. And I listened to every song on every record I could. And then it dawned on me. If it was right for me to burn up hundreds of records because they distracted me from my God, why do I need these five? So you know what I did with them? Threw them away. I didn't burn them. Wasn't no bonfire going on. Uh, I threw them away. Drove down the street and put them in a dumpster. Then throw them in my trash can because I might have woke up the next day. Hey, you, you, you just never know. Sugar pie honey bunch just might need to be in your head. Drove, threw them away in a dumpster. Back to only Christian music. A little bit of time goes by. I'm up late at night, 3 o'clock in the morning. Here come that infomercial again. Motown, greatest hits. I'm buying that. <laughs> I got to have that. Bought it again. Same thing. Conviction set in. So I'm thinking, wouldn't I rather listen to gospel music? And the answer to that is sometimes yes and sometimes no, but I know gospel music better for my mind. So that's what I choose to listen to. So I had to throw it away again. <laughs> Same dumpster. I bet they thought, look, who is this dude always coming up here pitching albums into my dumpster? Thank God I didn't get arrested. So I was sitting at the house. 
up late at night. Here comes that commercial again. And I pointed at the TV. You're not getting me this time, television. Breaking off all my money to throw it away in the man's dumpster up the street. Get rid of your plan B. Get rid of your backup. Some of y'all juggling multiple people just in case your you're now don't work. You got something else. Get rid of all that. Get with what you're with and get away from what you're not with. Do what Alexander did. Do what Cortez did. Burn up the boats. No possible way you can go back to where you were. Burn up the boats. Get rid of it all so you can be free to follow God. Get rid of your past. Get rid of your guilt. Get rid of your whatever it is that's stopping you from being all that God wants you to be. And when you get rid of stuff, you start putting stuff off, there's more that you can put on for Christ. God said he wants to fill you with his spirit. But it's like having a cup that's already filled with orange juice. You can't add but so much water into it before it just starts pouring out. Get rid of the cup, empty the cup, and then let it get all filled up with God. God can't fill an empty cup. He chooses not to. He wants you to empty your life out. We used to sing a song, empty me, fill me. Empty me, fill me. If you want God to fill you, you want God to do his part, you got to do your part. You got to let God empty your life out for anything that dishonors him. Empty your life out for anything, any bad habit that you have, any bad, listen, you got to get rid of stuff so you can add stuff. I've heard people tell me, Pastor, one day I'm going to start tithing. Why, why one day? Pastor Scott, one day I'm going to read my Bible like, like a real Christian. Why, why one day? Pastor Scott, one day I'm going to get involved in a ministry here at the church, and I'm going to serve hurting people. Why one day? Today is the day. Do it today. Nobody accomplished much in life through procrastination. If you want something in your life, if you want something to get better, take massive action. Get off that baby step platform. Get off that sitting on the sideline platform and take massive action. Back when you were working out, Cedric, you probably were working out big. You went in there playing with 10-pound dumbbells and, and uh, doing a mile on the treadmill and going home. Big. You want to get big? Lift big. You want to get big in God? Go big in God. And let God go big in you. Pray with me. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for your love and your goodness, God. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to take massive action. Help us, God, to change. Not just this year, but now. Help us, God, to put off the old and put on the new. God, we know that we need to change. And we do greatly desire to change. Help us to be and do all that you've called us to be and do. Help us, God, to change for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. 
to the ALCF Sound Doctrine Podcast and visit us on the web at alcfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to alcfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church, loving God, loving people.